The views and opinions expressed on this show are purely the views and opinions of the person who made them and do not necessarily reflect or agree with those of the show's commercial sponsors, its radio station affiliates, or Internet broadcast platforms. As the restriction on our God-given right to free speech manifests itself throughout the world, we are inspired by Jesus Christ's immortal words, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And we reserve the rights to all our words. Thank you, and now enjoy the show. To learn who rules over you, simply find out who you are not allowed to criticise. You are listening to ACH, I'm Andy, your host. Today is Thursday and I'm delighted to welcome back my regular Thursday guest, Dr Peter Hammond. Let's bring him up right now. Peter, are you with me? Yes, I am. Thank you very much, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. And as usual, Peter's got a great topic for us today. This is extremely timely. He's come up with the real threat of cyber warfare we're seeing all this in the news world economic forum all these different polygon and what have you but peter's got it all sorted out for us so where would you like to start us off with this topic today peter yes well andrew you know, uh, i know other kinds of warfare and um i thought i knew all kinds of i was very technically advanced i could handle a 16 millimeter projector and i could handle uh, the um various weapons of the East Bloc countries, I knew how to strip AK-47s, RPGs, and so on. I thought, you know, what more could you possibly need? And then I had to learn how to handle an off-road motorbike and OK spark plugs and things like that. But, oh my, uh, to have gone from my rural type of Rhodesian bush war type existence and my experience in the South African Army to uh, talking now about cyber war. But so much of what we do, like this program, is on the internet and we are very dependent on the internet and right now there is uh, being planned by the globalists the people who brought you the COVID-19 COVID cult lockdown lunacy masquerade mania pandemic panic propaganda paranoia um, they are planning a whole series of new events in order to bring about their goal of a one world government and a one world economic system and we know that there's the tools of totalitarianism, medical tyranny, domestic terrorism, and redefining domestic terrorism to be people who oppose communism, disaster capitalism, and now the global threat of cyber warfare. Edward Snowden said, when it comes to cyber warfare, America has more to lose than any other nation on earth because the technical sector is the backbone of the American economy. I think that's even more true in many ways of Great Britain, where many of the banking houses and international trade and finance is often concentrated around London, that um, you can imagine if the internet goes down, uh, it would be a tremendous problem for many people. So uh, Klaus Schwab 
made this statement. He said, we all know, but we've paid insufficient attention to the frightening scenario of a comprehensive cyber attack, which could bring a complete halt to the power supply, transportation, hospital services, our society as a whole. The COVID-19 lockdown crisis could be seen in this respect as a small disturbance in comparison to a major cyber attack. And so as the COVID-19 pandemic, scamdemic, plandemic, um, lockdown lunacy drove people around the world to rely more and more on the internet than ever before. Zoom conferences, Skype conferences, interviews by the internet, uh, people doing distance learning, distance work, um, uh, business meetings and other things, uh, negotiations being done now by Zoom or Skype or some other online platform. So if you think of how the state has managed to close down, shut down and kill so many private businesses and even farms and, and the middleman in many places, uh, hurting family businesses so much through the lockdown lunacy, we've now got a whole lot of serious plans towards cyber war. Now, I saw a small part of this myself personally back in 2010. In 2010, I was a participant in one of the largest world missions conferences in history. It was called Lausanne 3 or Cape Town 2010. And in Cape Town, my hometown, uh, we had this colossal conference, 4,200 participants from 197 countries in the world gathered in Cape Town, one venue. And part of the conference was meant to be another 100,000 people joining us remotely through um, uh, live link uh, internationally. And that was also meant for discussions and all the rest. Well, on day one, we were hit with total cyber war. There was a complete shutdown of the entire uh, Cape Town International Conference Center um, internet facilities. And uh, it took a while for people to realize what was actually happening. And first of all, people were saying, oh, it's overloaded the telecom, the telecommunication systems and so on. But it very quickly became obvious that we were under cyber attack. And uh, soon it was revealed that Red China, quite aside from preventing its 333 delegates from China from attending, not one Chinese representative made it. They're all arrested, passports confiscated, interrogated and so on, and prevented from flying off and joining us in Cape Town. So uh, China, uh, as they had done for the previous two Lausanne conferences, prevented any representative from mainland China taking part uh, in this missions conference. Um, interesting that a world missions conference would be considered a worthy target for the red Chinese government's um, cyber war to be unveiled to the world. Now, remember, this is 2010 I'm talking about. This is 11 years ago. But they totally shut down the entire telecommunication system with millions of hostile hits that came over the Internet that prevented the 100,000 other delegates meeting at other remote stations around the world in over 100 countries uh, from participating in the Cape Town 2010 conference. So, okay, there, there's just one little, little um, uh, explanation of what cyber war can do, but now we can see it can do vastly more than that. So, uh, for example, uh, we have seen in 2017 NotPetya. NotPetya was a, a malware cyber attack deployed, they say, by Russia, but maybe not, but it was directed at Ukraine. So in 2017, the NotPetya malware cyber attack wiped out over $10 billion in uh, damages, ultimately, 
against Ukrainian businesses, infrastructural control systems, wiped out darts on the computer systems, operations of hotels, hospitals, government agencies within Ukraine completely shut down, and uh, proving that cyber attacks could be effectively deployed to disable large sections of a target country's critical infrastructure. Now, um, not Petya was specifically designed to be tested and, and targeted against Ukraine, but it escaped the boundaries of its original target. It traveled around the globe and attacked computer systems of hospitals, shipping terminals, pharmaceutical corporations, construction companies, food supplies in multiple nations. And the official uh, toll was $10 billion US dollars uh, damage uh, caused by NotPenya. Now, an interesting side note is that NotPenya uh, could have been perpetrated by any other country and made to seem to have come from Russia, who seemed to be the natural country that would benefit from an attack on Ukraine. But as one analyst noted, the United States and its NATO allies possess the ability to fabricate evidence in cyberspace, enabling them to accuse targeted nations of cyber attacks that they never carried out to justify the deployment of offensive cyber weapons. And NATO admits that it has prepared ahead of time for just such scenarios. So that's intriguing. Uh, John Mariotti said, we have worried for decades about WMDs, weapons of mass destruction, but now it's time to worry about a new kind of WMD, weapons of mass disruption. And so it's quite possible that war game scenarios like cyber polygot uh, or this uh, not Petya uh, of 2017 against Ukraine run by a group or by a country could accidentally or purposely be allowed to escape its boundaries and run its course around the world. And uh, it is very disturbing that so little is known about this. Now, for example, to let you know how serious cyber war is, we know that the United States, Russia, China and North Korea have put vast amounts of resources into research and development for cyber war capabilities. Russia has prepared a kill switch with the ability to shut off the entire country, the entire Russian Federation from the internet and maintain network-based operations without external dependence. And Russia has planned, prepared and tested cyber weapons that could eliminate the power grids and industrial systems of entire nations and they have prepared scenarios to protect themselves should any external enemy launch such a cyber attack on Russia. Now, they may have a kill switch to make all their uh, internet capabilities within the country um, protected and separate from anything outside. But have we in our countries? Not that I'm aware of. So uh, <laughs> Brad Smith says, Think about a future when a nation need not send missiles or planes, but can simply send the code to do its destruction for it. And this is where we are. We now have cyber war capabilities. And um, NATO now has a collective defense clause that includes attacks in either cyber domains or space that would be considered a reason to trigger the a collective defense clause. So this attack could be either a real cyber attack by an enemy or an engineered cyber and propaganda operation black op blamed on an opponent to justify uh, taking more power, um, taking away more freedoms of people. And so uh, the scenarios for cyber disruption are huge. And the American military is no more capable of operating without the Internet than Amazon.com would be. Logistics, command, control, fleet positioning, everything down to targeting relies on software.
and internet-related technologies. And all of this is just as insecure as your home computer because it's all based on the same flawed underlying technologies and it uses the same insecure software and hardware. Now, I'm quoting that from Richard Clark, former Assistant Secretary of State for Political and Military Affairs. So this is uh, some pretty high-level uh, people are warning about this. And we're seeing in Burma right now, Wanma, in Burma, the Buddhist military dictatorship that's uh, butchering Christians and uh, going berserk um, on the country, the ruling military junta has leveraged its military power and it's combined it with chaos that they've organized to digitally target and physically eliminate their enemies. So they first of all digitally target dissident journalists and protesters and resistors through the use of electronic surveillance tools, military communication infrastructures, security operations, and they incorporate cyber war against their own dissidents, those people trying to report on what is really going on or to counter the government propaganda. And so we're seeing small countries like Burma or Banma targeting their journalists with cyber war. We see Red China going out of the way to close down international missions conferences through cyber war, such as I experienced in 2010 in Cape Town. Uh, we are seeing uh, cyber war used possibly by Russia against Ukraine in 2017. Uh, but what we are seeing is a cyber pandemic being planned. And you've even heard it right now that after the lockdown lunacy of COVID-19, there's plans for a climate lockdown uh, where they're trying to prevent most people traveling by plane or vehicles uh, for, in, in the guise of uh, being able to uh, say that they're dealing with climate change, prevent global warming and that sort of thing. But what we're seeing here is something far more sinister. Uh, it's called Cyber Polygot. And uh, on the 9th of July, 2021, an event occurred called Cyber Polygot, and it was billed as a means by which governments and businesses could collaborate to discuss and simulate methods to protect themselves against cyber attacks. And they called it Cyber Polygot. This is 9th of July. It's pretty recent. And their purpose, they stated, to unite the entire human race into a single philosophy and a single system of controls to ensure that every person in the world is behaving in accordance with the dictates of government. Now, I mean, just think about that for a moment, that um, we've got, as as you um, played, uh, sent uh, the, the links uh, before on the way how we've got governments trying to tell us what to think. And the New Zealand Prime Minister actually stating in Orwellian terms, we are the arbitrators of truth. Ignore all other sources of truth. We will tell you what is safe, what is dangerous, what you can trust, what's true, what's false. Just go uh, NZ, uh, gov.nz. It's uh, You go to New Zealand government, we will tell you what is true and what is not. That's how you discern between what is true or not, what's fake news or not fake news, um, what vaccine to take, what not to take. Just go to the government website. Uh, we are the, and here's the Prime Minister of New Zealand literally telling people in Orwellian Ministry of Truth, mini-truth terms, we will tell you what is true. Well, we've now got this Project Polygon, Cyber Polygon, which is planning a, a cyber war response to ensure that the entire human race, everyone connected to the internet, behaves and communicates in accordance with the dictates of government. And so uh, what 
the Cyber Polygon 2021 technical training event allowed was it allowed expert teams to learn how to deflect cyber attacks on supply chain operations. And Cyber Polygon 2021 has served as an advertising board for the singular digital identity proposed by its mother organization, the World Economic Forum. WEF, World Economic Forum, is proposing a single digital identity for everyone. And so this singular digital identity can be used to track every individual and every aspect of every individual's physical and digital life, tying them together to paint a picture of how that person thinks, feels, behaves, and will respond to situations. Now, already this technology exists for advertisers, and that's why you can find yourself uh, texting about, uh, say, knitting patterns, and next thing you know, you get all kinds of knitting pattern-related adverts coming up on your screen. Uh, you can be talking about uh, the history of the Middle Ages, and next thing you know, you've got history of the Middle Ages-related uh, books, videos, and other things uh, being advertised uh, on your screen. And this is because already from an advertising platform, social media such as Facebook and YouTube and so on are already building up a portfolio, a, a complete image of you, your thoughts, your allegiances, your interests, your buying habits. And so already we know that advertising and big tech has the technical ability and are using the technical ability and selling that advertising information in order to market certain things. Well, now we're talking about a cyber technology that will enable governments and ultimately super international government, something along the line of the United Nations, but, but far more sinister than that, who would use internet controls tied to that database to allow only certain citizens to access certain critical resources or to participate in certain activities and to exclude others. So, for example, and this is not just um, conjecture or us thinking through this. This is what they are saying, what the organizers are saying. And I, I received this from an intelligence source. So if a person chose not to receive a vaccine, for example, they could be, through this whole cyber technology, banned from purchasing anything online or from using digital currency. And uh, as many businesses are shifting to digital payments and health records are shared with governments and third parties and even airlines, as so it's becoming more and more realistic and concerning. So uh, can you imagine what they're talking about? You've heard of the Great Reset. They're now talking about a plan for a great digital reset. And the Great Digital Reset will come through a cyber war or a cyber pandemic. They're even talking about cyber pandemics, which would allow governments to remove everyone's access to the internet and then to reestablish the internet with new rules for internet access providing with more stringent laws leading to a complete digital currency. And therefore, they are planning cyber war or cyber pandemic, as some might call it, to have a digital reset to modify how governments are able to control their citizens and to exclude people who are resisting the new world order. Now, all this should really concern us because in Revelation 13, we get a pretty clear picture of a global attempt to bring about a one-world government with a one-world economic system and a one-world interfaith religion. And so they're going beyond trying to have us under one political power to one economic reality to uh, even where you're not allowed to dissent. You're not allowed to have any other religious views. You've got to be part of the statist or globalist uh, agenda. Uh, you can think of Rome. They had a statist 
unifying factor that you had to burn incense before Nero, you had to recognize Caesar as Lord, say Caesar as Lord, burn incense, bow before this idol, and then you're allowed to buy and sell in the marketplace. Well, that's how it worked in the past. Now, uh, it's going beyond the French Revolution. You've got to wear the tree killer um, type um, hat and uh, show your allegiance with the revolutionaries. It's going beyond the red scarf of the Soviet Union, the Communist Party. Uh, now they're talking about a far greater allegiance. Basically, what the attempt to do is bring out a one world government with a one world religious system, a one world economic system, and you've got to think like the one world system. Basically, a George Orwellian 1984 scenario where thought crimes are punished by thought police and this digital reset is part of this. So cyber war is already occurring to some extent. And so cybersecurity experts are battling against criminal hackers attempting to steal data and money from computer systems. Government hackers are competing against each other to see who can plant the best spyware on their opponent's computers to exfiltrate information, to extract information. And there's, uh, according to journalist Deborah Hayes, hackers are collaborating with government agencies to inflict physical destruction and even death on their targets, on the uh, centers. So cyber warfare is a phenomenally powerful tool. And we know that Red China, North Korea, Russia, America, NATO are investing a huge amount of research and development in this. And what we are heading towards is a possible uh, cyber pandemic, a certainly cyber warfare. And of course, this could come from the outside. And we are extremely dependent on cyberspace. And you just think how much people have uploaded their family memories and their photographs and so on on the clouds. Well, the clouds are very easily controlled by outside forces. It's much safer for you to keep your photographs. If you want to keep them on a cloud, that's one thing. If it's not something so private that you wouldn't want um, all the people in the world to have access to who have the, the technology, um, you should also have them on an external hard drive, on a flash drive, on uh, hard copies. You, you can't depend on the internet because the entire internet could collapse or be sabotaged and destroyed, just like they might blow up bridges and buildings. Uh, so we could see a complete cyber war wiping out what's on the internet right now. One must have backups. And uh, just think of the impact of the cyber disaster being planned. And first of all, medical technology. Hospitals in many cases would be paralyzed if the internet went down. And anyone using a medical device that's reliant on technology, like a digital pacemaker or ventilator, or someone undergoing an emergency surgery during a disaster when everything shuts down, all the computers shut down. We've looked at this scenario before, worst case scenarios. I, I was in Switzerland some years ago, speaking to uh, military there, and that they had scenarios in, in Switzerland and had had for many years of considering the possibility of the entire internet going down. Uh, for example, a scenario of, um, let's say, a rogue nation like uh, Iran or North Korea, say, uh, dropping a thermonuclear device at um, perhaps 500 miles above uh, Europe, Central Europe, knocking out all uh, electronics, uh, all computer technology throughout the whole continent. And then you would need analog technology. And so Switzerland has a whole lot of backups that they're not dependent on the internet. Their military have everything down to hard wires, uh, the old Second World War type technology of communicating uh, uh, with with um, line uh, wires and uh, with walkie-talkies and so on, and not digital at all. They've got 
<laughs> they still even have their um, homing pigeon regiment. So uh, Switzerland is so decentralized that even if uh, all technology and digital uh, command structures, command control structures were wiped out, they're still able to protect their communities, their cantons and their local areas. And they've got backup plans to uh, for the scenario uh, of something like a thermonuclear device that is taking out uh, digital technology. But do we have in America and Britain and South Africa and Australia, Canada, um, the impact on banking and transportation, a lot of which is online, would become non-existent. And many banks, if not most banks, are utilizing digital transfers for most everything. And you can imagine uh, the chaos that would occur, occur and fuel prices <laughs> would spike. We've seen now how supply can be interrupted so that people were not able to get fuel. And so the next thing was um, uh, just by cyber attacks and hackers, they could shut down the supply of fuel in America, so suddenly there was massive lines of waiting, people waiting for gasoline and so on. So utilities like electrical power, running water, gas lines would grind to a halt if companies lost control of their systems, could not bill their customers, couldn't determine where or how their services were being used. And there's so much that would come along on this. And so uh, as Proverbs says, Proverbs 20 verse 3, a prudent man foresees disaster and prepares himself but the simple pass on and suffer as a result. And so we need to be prepared. We should be very concerned not to depend on the World Wide Web uh, or uh, clouds or cloud solutions. It's one thing to have some things backed up there uh, for public use, you know, for example, audios and videos you want uh, distributed widely, but you've got to have backups off site not directly connected to the internet on external hard drives or large flash drives. You've got a backup or uh, data disks, whatever works for you. We should also be sure that we always have some hard currency because uh, if everything's digital and that suddenly goes offline for a couple of weeks, months or years, who knows how long, uh, you've got to have bartering system and um, value in hand, you know, whether it's silver coins, uh, gold, whatever. Um, we need weapons. We need to stock up and learn on self-defense, physical defense, emergency trauma response, first aid. Uh, how many people know how to live off the land? Uh, how many people could manage with things like solar power or know how to just wash their clothes by hand and how to prepare and store food without modern amenities and electricity, for example? Uh, so, uh, for example, in Africa, we've had to do this for years because our governments have failed for so long. So we've got water harvesting into large uh, containers off our roofs because often the plumbing doesn't work. Uh, we have to have generators and solar panels because of the fact that uh, the electricity is often interrupted by the government. Um, where possible, especially on farms, one certainly needs uh, boreholes and wells in order to uh, survive when the government's not providing us utilities. Now, that's normal in Africa, bring your own infrastructure. But I doubt that many people in Europe and North America would have any alternatives to the utilities provided through governments completely depend on the internet. And uh, we also need to realize that there is going to be a lot of massive data breaches. We need to realize that there are not only sensors employed by the big tech that are censoring what we try to put online and removing and deplatforming wherever they can. So we've got to have multiple sites and multiple backups and platforms available. 
but also getting hold of information that could be used to harm um, ourselves or our causes. And so we need to realize that anything put on the Internet can be accessed and spied on uh, by those who um, hate uh, the principles of freedom and the Bible that we stand for. So there could be a tremendous breakdown of military defenses of Western countries. We could see China, for example, trying to uh, gain great advantage economically and politically by crashing economic systems in the West. Um, we could see uh, people trying to take physical control, like how the Burmese one my military are behaving towards protesters, journalists, pastors even, who don't fit their ideas of a model citizen. And so the idea that a government can use cyber war against its people, such as in Burma, or that a nation like Red China could use cyber war against missions conferences, or that a country could use cyber war against, for example, Ukraine in 2017 and cause billions of dollars worth of damage, it's inevitable. Cyber war is coming. There is cyber war being done between competing companies. There's their hackers trying to steal information data. I know of Christian ministries who've had ransomware and their whole website and so on shut down. And then they're being told you've got to pay X amount or uh, we won't give you back your websites and so on. So already there, there is all kinds of cyber war taking place. But what we're talking about is something far more than that. We're talking about a global reset through a global pandemic pandemic or what they call a digital pandemic and um, we can see uh, they're planning a digital reset so we need to be sure that we have good security and good backups and we must be seriously careful about using public hotspots which can be poisoned by hackers and uh, we've got to have a strong vpn to protect ourselves when we're online especially if we're traveling and we're using some kind of public space if you're going to the local um, a coffee shop and you're using their free Wi-Fi, you might be wide open to hackers who are sitting there for no other reason. But but we're talking about more than that. Uh, we're talking about uh, where governments and worse than that, globalists are planning uh, to use cyber warfare as part of their great reset. So what we've got now is they've tried out using uh, medical um, tyranny in order to bring people to line to control. They, they're trying that through this uh, medical tyranny. We know how they're trying to redefine domestic terrorism to include people who committed a thought crime, um, who said something that exposed a criminal activity. They are trying to turn everything digital, including vaccine passports, digital IDs, cashless society. Um, all this is part of a um, war against God, basically. Big pharma, big business, big government, big tech are working together for globalist goals, which is summarized well in Romans 13, one world government, one world economic system, and one world interfaith religious system. And so uh, this this is Marxist, this is communist, uh, this is satanic, it's anti-Christian, these are tools of tyranny. And we've looked at quite a lot of different things that they're trying to do for um, vaccine controls. Just a few stats that I, I got uh, uh, just today. For example, you're aware that the um, Center for Disease Control, CDC, the VAERS system on a vaccine adverse reactions uh, database, uh, on their data, it reports at the moment, the American CDC VAERS reports a staggering 463,000 adverse re uh, events reported, including 10,991 deaths in the United States alone uh, and 48,000 serious injuries between December 
the 14th, 2020, and July the 9th, 2021, related to the COVID so-called vaccine injection. This includes over 5,000 cases of Bell's palsy, 127,000 of anaphylaxis shock, 9,471 reports of blood clotting, 1,991 cases of myocarditis and pericarditis, over 1,000 reports of miscarriage, uh, and the real numbers are probably much higher. This is what's on their basis. Uh, statistically, 23% of um, deaths of people from uh, who've taken the vaccine are related to cardiac uh, disorders like cardiac arrest. And the Economist uh, slash YouGov poll reports that 23% of those who received COVID-19 vaccinations reported negative uh, reactions. So it's almost a quarter of those taking the vaccines are reporting a negative result. And uh, these are just some of the tools of tyranny, vaccine passports, digital currency, all the way going through uh, to a great digital reset through cyber warfare. These are some of what we are facing. It's essential that we know our God, that we know the scriptures, that we are free thinking people, that we are uh, ensuring that children receive a real education, not an indoctrination of state school, but a home-based education where we teach our children to think critically and ask questions and to think outside the box and not uh, to receive an indoctrination where they're just told what to think by these uh, globalists. But this is what we're facing. It's a real threat from globalism. It's a real threat for uh, global tyranny through cyber warfare. And we need to be aware, we need to make precautions, we need to be sure we don't have everything on the internet, that we've got backups of everything that we can repopulate if they shut everything down. So uh, be aware of the fact that this is a plan. This isn't just a theory or a scenario. These are hard facts. It is being planned. It has been done already on localized levels. Um, it's been done in Burma, it's been done by the Chinese, it's been done in Ukraine. We know cyber war is real, the capability is huge, and there are a number of countries, including the United States of America, who are uh, so advanced in cyber warfare, and the chance of them unleashing it on their own citizens for global reset are huge. So, back to you, Andrew. Thank you so much, Peter. Yes, it's um, a lot of different uh, directions we can go. Firstly, I'll jump in with uh, the obvious one, China's, China's social credit scoring system. And we've seen these stories where you have a dissident who can't buy train tickets. He's got the money, but because they don't like his opinions, they restrict him. And when you see the way that the COVID um, op has been rolled out in unison throughout the world, you can see that they are now... They use different areas to test different things, and if it works, then they will roll it out on a worldwide basis. And that's what I think is going to be coming with China being the model and the social credit system. So it doesn't matter how much money you've got in the bank. If you can't access it or you can't use it to purchase certain things because they don't like your opinions, uh, we know that they're coming for Christians. We know in the Bible, as you say, that we are going to be persecuted in these um, difficult times. And so it's important that we we are aware of that and we be prepared as, as much as we can because it's better to prepare for something uh, and hope it doesn't actually happen than not be prepared at all and find it does happen and where do I go from here. Um, the other thing that I would mention is uh, 
the way that the I've got a headline here now it doesn't directly relate to cyber warfare but this is the second headline on Wednesday's Daily Mail online Britain faces blackouts due to electric car revolution fears national grid won't cope if drivers charge their vehicles at on peak times during day you know these are the sort of things you need to look out for uh, like Jeff Wentz mentioned um, uh, the DHS in America this was a couple of years ago now they put something out on their website warning American people to be ready for up to six months without electricity. Well, they float these ideas out there. Not many people pick them up. Not many people notice them. But it's all part of the programming. And that's why, as uh, people say, they don't call it programming for nothing when you're looking at like the television program. And the other thing I'd, I'd throw in before we go back to Peter... One thing that we haven't talked about for a while, and one thing that's been increasingly ridiculed by those who criticise the alternative media is uh, the obsession with 5G. And the 5G thing seems to have come and gone with the COVID and the lockdowns and the vaccines. Everyone's talking about the dangers of the vaccine and stuff. But one thing that I remember, and many of you will have seen these sort of videos online, is when someone says, oh, look, I'm... my phone is picking me up as a Wi-Fi. My Bluetooth is picking me up uh, on my Wi-Fi, or, and, and different things that you've seen like that. That that you're you're or you're emitting a sort of frequency. Well, we know that they've been rolling out this five G, and they've been jumping over all over anyone who criticises it. Uh, I understand Elon Musk is going to be putting a load of satellites up next month. You know, tens of thousands and what have you. And people are already saying those who've had the vaccine, there have been some reports that they are are, are emitting or receiving, and there's been talk about these people being receiver transmitters. Well, what if that just needs to be turned on? And that is the purpose of getting this into people. So there's some way that they believe that they can be controlled. This is a question. Um, it's, it's, It's speculation, but you just have to look at what's going on out there. And then draw your own conclusions to that. I know for a fact that I would never um, get a 5G phone or what have you. So uh, when my phone packs up, I'll be going second hand for one. Because you probably find it's going to be very difficult to get something uh, in the future that isn't that way. Because that's what they're always trying to do. It's like in the UK, they're phasing out diesel cars by 2030 or petrol cars what have you they want you to be in these electric cars and in the same way that i wouldn't buy a vehicle made uh, much after 2000 because that's when the electronics were put in that can be hacked um all these different things we need to be aware of so we can be prepared but peter i throw a few things in there anything that you would like to talk on further yes i'm i'm deeply concerned about the possibility of transhumanism. This is another new word that they are banding around there. We know that technology exists to alter people's DNA. We know that the technology exists because, in fact, uh, Bill Gates has put a lot of R&R, as in billions of dollars worth of research and development into the uh, ability to not only, for example, give an inoculation, but at the same time plant a microchip in the person's body which can track them, a unique one, uh, which tracks them as an individual, and even harvest their DNA out of it. So in one action, not only inject something into your body, which can alter your DNA, but place a microchip that enables you to be tracked as an individual and harvest your DNA on a record system. So uh, they're now talking about this idea of transhumanism. 
and the technology exists and there are people warning about the possibility that there is the goal now that there's so much artificial intelligence capability out there that the globalists don't need so many peasants, oxygen thieves, waste of rations to use their term for surplus population is another word they use. And so they're wanting to bring the world's population dramatically down. We know they've been talking about bringing us down to under 500 million, preferably under 100 million, some even say. But that means there's about 7 billion surplus population right now. And there's all sorts of things planned to bring that down. And amongst other things, it's, of course, getting rid of uh, so many of the farmers, uh, mass starvation, diseases, things like that. That all helps. But all of those seem to be a bit slow. Uh, it's quite possible that the vaccine is fitting into the goal of the eugenicists to bring down the world's population dramatically. But more than that, there also seems to be a connection between the massive push for the vaccines and a way of not only harvesting people's DNA for record purposes, but uh, putting in some kind of um, transmitter or a microchip that enables a person to be tracked uh, that just like we put in, in uh, a pet sometimes, these little microchips that um, you can, if they lost and missing and they that can help one to locate them, that, that technology has existed for a long time and it's been used a lot. But altering our DNA, and this is the thing about this latest so-called vaccine, which I'm told by medical specialists is not really a vaccine because it's a DNA, it's an experimental DNA altering so-called vaccine. And there's a talk now to make one transhuman. Now, I don't know exactly how this works, but there's warnings by people who've studied this that altering people's DNA and planting in these kind of uh, microchip uh, abilities into a human body, along with 5G type, it's all interrelated uh, technology that exists now with cyberspace, there is the goal to literally change people into what they're now talking about is transhumanism that a person becomes just like you have a genetically modified crops, as in genetically modified uh, organisms, GMOs, um, but you could have genetically modified people to make them easier to control. And exactly how this is going to work uh, remains to be proven and seen, but there's enough warnings that there's a definite link between the pandemic, scamdemic, lockdown lunacy, the 5G capabilities, the inoculations coming all over the place in the name of this vaccine and the, the goal of transhumanism and artificial intelligence replacing many of the people in this world. And the globalists think that they've reached the stage where they can actually control us better by getting rid of a whole lot. And you can see how it's being done. Bankrupt the farmers, bankrupt the average mom and pop shop, um, family businesses. And it's all big tech big business, big government, and big pharma working together for a globalist agenda. And uh, as we see increased tyranny and these tools of, of globalization coming along, there's, there is a lot of resistance. You can see hundreds of thousands of people are protesting the vaccines, the lockdowns, the mask parade, and all the rest. And we're seeing the globalists uh, getting a bit unhinged by the fact that there's so many voices Going, coming out, um, exposing a lot of their agenda. And so they're getting more and more e extreme. And as there's more distrust and division, and as the evidence comes up, in fact, America's election was one big fraud. And you can see the audits have been done, for example, in Arizona showing, well, in fact, uh, Bi uh, Biden didn't win. <laughs> surprise, surprise. 
Um, there's huge evidence uh, that the Trump vote was much greater than was admitted, and that in fact what you've got is an illegitimate government in D.C. not truly elected. And there's all of the different distractions and disinformation being put out to try and cover up the fact that, let's face it, here we've got even the U.S. Senate is admitting and recognizing what we were being deplatformed and uh, accused of being fake news for last year. Yes, the coronavirus was man-made. Yes, it came from a laboratory. Yes, it came from Wuhan in China. Yes, it was paid for by the U.S. taxpayer. Yes, it was approved by Fauci. I mean, these things were all conspiracy theories last year. Now they're mainstream acknowledged facts that the coronavirus was a man-made, laboratory-produced virus produced in the biological warfare factory in Wuhan, China. And unbelievably, who would have guessed that the U.S. taxpayer was paying for it? And this man who is telling everyone to mask up and lock down and so on, Fauci, was one of the ones who authorized this. So uh, there's so much being exposed right now. And the authorities and the media, including uh, big tech uh, media, have been lying to us for a year and a half to cover all this up. And all this is coming out. So right now, um, expect more false flag events directed to sway public opinion against anti-vaxxers and against gun owners and homeschoolers and all the rest. And expect more um, extreme measures taken to pit the rich against the poor, the vaxxed against the unvaxxed, the traditionalists against the social justice warriors. And we're seeing a war that is, uh, it's, it's a war for freedom. It's a war for freedom of thought, freedom of speech, freedom of your bodily integrity, uh, for informed consent, uh, for medical procedures, all of these things. But uh, because there is, I'm, I'm sometimes concerned it's too few and uh, uh, too late, but, but there is resistance growing. And the globalists are often, uh, I think, panicking and they are accelerating the process towards globalization right now. Never before has it been so clear uh, what we're dealing with. And I think never before has the enemy shown the hand as clearly as they're showing it now. And uh, right now, uh, it's so clear what the globalist agenda is and the ruin that's being planned for us. And uh, the only solution is decentralization and secession and independence and Brexit, and in our case, Cape Exit. And we need to regain control of our own communities uh, central governments have been the disaster. Globalism is a threat to everything that civilization stands for. So right now, what we are seeing is the pillars of global totalitarianism is accelerating to restrict freedom. And we need to wake up. We need to shake up. We need to speak up. We need to stand up. We need to step out in faith. And never has it been more important and more urgent to speak out against the globalist agenda and call people back to God, back to the Bible, back to sanity, back to communities taking control over their own futures and saying no to the globalists and the centralized planners, whether we're talking about in Brussels with the European Economic Community or in the uh, Washington, D.C. or New York uh, with the uh, United Nations. Uh, no, no to the globalists, no to the central planners. Uh, all of this totalitarianism and globalism has failed spectacularly. Soviet Union, all rest, and this is a new attempt to bring about communist goals in the name of fighting a virus or other uh, problems like that. Uh, and obviously this global reset and digital reset and uh, all of these things are planned to create a transhuman slavery where everyone will be the slaves of big tech and big pharma and big government 
uh, in a one world government with a one world economic system, one world religious system. And that is exactly what the Bible warns us about in Revelation 13. This is, uh, in short, called the beast. And we need to resist. Uh, we need to be uh, those who uh, refuse to bow or bend. We must be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We will not bow before your idols, nor will we serve your gods. And uh, as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said to Nebuchadnezzar, our God whom we serve is able to save us, and he will. But even if he doesn't, we still won't bow before your idols. Back to you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. Yes, it's 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 extremely important. I'm just making a note, the beast system that we are duty-bound to resist as Christians. Um, it's a duty, folks. It's part of our faith. And uh, it is all coming together now. Uh, and that's what makes it, you know, very frightening times, although there is an element of excitement with anything frightening like that. We just need to try and keep on top of it, get the information out, uh, ask the audience to spread the information, because the more people are awake, the more people we can bring to Jesus Christ, the more we can turn to him to help us in these difficult times and as i've said so many times the first thing they went after was christianity before they went into changing uh, racial demographics in countries and passing laws and different things like that like um, the heart seller act in 1965 in america they they got the prayer out of schools before that things like that so we need to put back first what they took away first because that was obviously the most important thing that they got rid of um, but in the last few minutes, I'd just like to hand over to Peter. Now, last week, folks, last Monday of last week, uh, we did an emergency broadcast entitled The Real Story of the Worst Riots in South Africa That Are Happening As We Speak. And that was with both my weekly co-hosts, Dr. Peter Hammond and Malifica Scott. Now, uh, I understand that you've got a good response to that, Peter. So first, can you let us know about the response and then an update as to what the situation is in South Africa at this time? Back to you. Yes, thank you very much, Andrew. There was an unprecedentedly high response to that, and we're really grateful that you're a friend in need and that you're able to get the word out. And uh, certainly there's been outpouring of prayer and concern for South Africa. The, the final toll uh, of these riots is a staggering 50 billion rand in damages, 50 billion. Uh, last week I was reporting 15 billion. Well, it's, it's uh, escalated and they're still counting. The death toll's risen to over 370 lives lost Officially, uh, although there's a lot of evidence that it was a lot more than that, uh, because there's just one town of Phoenix, which has got a um, they've got over 300 bodies in the morgue that are unaccounted for. And they're asking people to help identify. So if we've got 370 lives lost throughout the whole province of KwaZulu-Natal and Gauteng. Um, how is it possible that just one town's got 300 extra bodies they don't know how to account for? So uh, doubtless things have been under uh, reported. But 300 schools looted, 200 shopping malls, 40,000 businesses destroyed. Uh, the destruction is huge, uh, but there are so many positive stories that have come out of it too, uh, of um, heroic individuals, inspiring stories of people who rescued neighbors, protected shops and industries in their communities, who even protected police from rampaging mobs. And so uh, there, there are good results that have come. And I think it just shows again the absolute importance of community standing together, that we've got to know our neighbours, we've got to uh, have a neighbourly spirit, watch out for one another, and armed citizens save lives. And uh, we need to be prepared. We need to know our neighbours, belong to a neighbourhood watch or community forum. They are the people who restored order. It was armed citizens 
organized in community uh, watches and neighborhood watches and forums who actually managed to protect certain neighborhoods and stop the rioters and, and protect businesses. The police and army left us alone. Uh, we were basically on our own and uh, the powers that should not be uh, didn't turn up until after order had been restored by the local citizens. And uh, so it just shows that if people are depending on the state, when you really need them, just like Americans found in many cities across America during the BLM riots last year, uh, you're on your own uh, in many of these cases, and uh, they will only turn out to do forensics after the event. So, so important for us to learn from this and to be prepared. Uh, by the way, with your, your comment there about it started with prayer coming out of school, Alexander Solzhenitsyn said, godlessness is the first step towards the gulag. Back to you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. That is an extremely powerful statement. Uh, we're pretty much out of time, but before we go, can you let the audience know the best place where they can contact you online and the website where they can find your work? Yes, my personal email is peter at frontline.org.za. Peter at frontline.org.za. And uh, our website, frontlinemissionsa.org. Frontlinemissionsa.org. I've got articles, pictures uh, showing some of the incredible scenes of the destruction and rampant looting and uh, the absolute failure of government uh, in the last few weeks uh, here in South Africa. Uh, but um, uh, praise God, there's also some great testimonies of those who made a difference by making a stand. So peter at frontline.org.za or visit frontlinemissionsa.org. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you so much, Peter. Fantastic show as always, folks. You have been listening to The Real Threat of Cyber Warfare. Peter and I will be back with you at the same time next week. I will, of course, be back with you all tomorrow. But until then, folks, I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening, and bye for now. <laughs>